This episode of Road Dirt, the podcast, is brought to you by Law Tigers Motorcycle Lawyers. Since 2001, our lawyers have fought for the rights of injured riders and their families. We get it. Most people don't want to involve a lawyer when a motorcycle accident happens. Maybe the damage wasn't that bad. Maybe you feel fine. However, without representation, there are no guarantees you'll receive a fair compensation for your injuries. Law Tigers attorneys represent clients throughout the country on a contingency fee basis, which means they don't charge any upfront fees and only require payment if they recover compensation on your behalf. With Law Tigers, you never ride alone. We're here for you 24-7 to help you with your case. Focusing exclusively on motorcycle cases, they support riders nationwide with free resources and community outreach, and they're there for families to get their loved ones the compensation they deserve. We appreciate Law Tigers. They support us here at Road Dirt, the podcast, and on RoadDirt.tv, our motorcycle media. We appreciate their partnership. They are the real deal. They are the genuine article, and we appreciate them and all they mean and all they do for the motorcycle community. LawTigers.com. You can check on their website and uh, find one in a state and an office near you. Welcome to Road Dirt, the podcast of Road Dirt Motorcycle Media and RoadDirt.tv, your down-home grassroots motorcycle brand covering what we like to call ride life. I'm Rob Brooks, your host. Thanks for tuning in. And on this episode, uh, Ted Edwards, one of our riders out on the West Coast, has penned a tome for a sacred place that he and his riding group go at least a couple of times a year and sadly it's been sold and um, it's kind of the end of an era for a motorcycle group and one of their favorite most beloved destinations. I think we all have something like that. A favorite place that we love to go to ride to, to kind of base out of and make memories at. This is called Farewell to Morning Song by my friend Ted Edwards. Saying goodbye to a sacred place. Welcome to my tearful farewell, my wistful goodbye to a house in the middle of a God-kissed corner of the Pacific Northwest, bereft of time's depravities, a place to run where the most important things in life are not things, but people. In this house, this oasis from life's downward plunging corkscrew and its horrible sucking tempest, there lived a gentle, retired, Lutheran minister and his wife. Myron Bentz retired from decades of service in the ministry long ago, but his devotion to people and building relationships never ceased. To further his nurturing ministry, he and his wife Audrey made a seven-bedroom home among the rolling seas of tall brown grass and majestic evergreen forests of south-central Washington state. Named after a Native American poem, they called it Morning Song Acres. Morning Song Acres' south-facing wall is all glass up to its two-story vaulted ceiling, giving visitors a stunning view of the distant Mount Hood. One of the world's most beautiful volcanoes, you can feel Mount Hood's pull. Its calm voice telling you to unplug, to relax, to free yourself from life's tyranny of the urgent, and do the most important thing in life, the very thing this house was built to do, and that is build relationships. 
By divine intervention, Morning Song Acres just happens to be planted directly in the middle of some of the best motorcycle roads no one has ever heard of. The Mild Hogs Touring Group came to Morning Song Acres years ago with the intent of shredding the living daylights out of the local roads, but they kept coming back because of Myron and Audrey. As we retuned from a day's ride, Audrey would have dinner waiting for our grimy crew, but first she would hand out hymnals. She would sit at the piano in the main living room and ask us to sing from the Presbyterian Church hymnals. So out of love for Audrey, we sang gladly, though badly, and wildly out of key. At morning song, we always sang for our supper. During dinner, Myrid would entertain us with stories from the old days of how he loaded everything they owned into a station wagon in the early 1960s and drove to Alaska to plant a church. And then he would brag about how his bratwurst-making skills were the best in human history, which, of course, they were. Audrey would serve us dinner, then dine with us. And as she listened to our tales from the road, laced with our crude humor, she simply smiled, would giggle nonstop, and smile some more. Years passed by, and our fondness for the heavenly roads grew, but our fondness for Myron and Audrey grew even deeper. As they aged into their 80s, we still came to shred tarmac and escape the horrible urban apocalypse, but sometimes we just came to fix the plumbing there, maybe help prepare for a yard sale, crash a local potluck at a quilt show, or simply help Myron make bratwurst. Time plowed relentlessly forward without sympathy or regard, and as it did, Myron and Audrey became less able to handle the chores needed to keep up their massive home. This fall, we got word that Morning Song had been sold. We all knew it was coming. It had to eventually. We were hoping it would happen later than sooner, preferably never. Our group of riders reacted the only way we knew how, by scheduling one last visit to Morning Song Acres, a farewell tour of sorts. It needed a goodbye celebration, a proper climax, a grand finale worthy of this special place, its people and those roads. In the end, Morning Song Acres got all it could handle. I left for Morning Song Acres with my friend Bill Motzenbogger way too late in the afternoon, and we decided to make haste lest fall's fading daylight conceal the millions of deer that love to play hide and destroy, seek and destroy in that area. Motz took the lead because, well, he had a radar detector. The speeds that happen next will forever stay between Motz and me. I'll only say that our pace made me question our sanity. We arrived at Morning Song like the six others from our group who had come from various corners of the state, just as the setting sun burned the horizon, painting Morning Song and its grassy fields a burnt orange light. Motz and I agreed that we had pushed our luck, taken chances, and riders who do what we just did have very short lives in this sport. They either end up in jail or in a morgue. We agreed to take it a little more easy tomorrow. Myron and Audrey joined us for dinner that night, and in morning song tradition, Audrey played the piano, and of course, we sang for our supper. This was our last dinner with them, our last group chorus, and we sang loudly and badly. Of course, Audrey just giggled. Then Myron asked us to pray. Myron, though his aging mind had weakened in some regards, never lost his ability to deliver moving prayers. This was our final prayer at Morning Song Acres. 
We all knew the gravity of the moment, and our boisterous group fell silent. Many people have come here to our home, bringing their worries and troubles with them, Myron started. Most came as strangers, not knowing each other, our home, or us. But no matter who they were, no matter what worries they brought with them, though they came as strangers, they always left Morning Song as family, our family, forever. Amen. This was not just a prayer for us. It was Myron's farewell to Morning Song Acres, their wonderful seven-bedroom tool for reaching down to the heart of people and changing them from the inside out. I fought back tears, though not very well. The next morning, as I gazed at Mount Hood over coffee, I listened to its ethereal voice. I gave in to its pleading to slow down, relax, enjoy the scenery. I verbally renewed my commitment with Mott's to take it easy. Today, I would throttle back. Then the Ferrari pulled up. Change of plans. You see, one of our riders, Milt Herman, told the group that his son-in-law was coming driving his quote-unquote car. Milt is a 79-year-old retired optometrist with thick gray hair, a quirky sense of humor, a never-ending smile hidden beneath a thick gray mustache, and softly says intelligent things only you can hear. He is Albert Einstein's doppelganger if Albert Einstein rode a Honda CBR 1100X Blackbird with chromed frame and wheels. It was his son-in-law, Gary, uh, Gary Ike, who pulled up in a black Ferrari 458 Italia. Gary owns his own business and plays hard with his cars and his motorcycles. Immediately, I noticed the edges of the Ferrari's tires showed evidence of track abuse, and the motorcycle leathers he brought along were weathered and properly abraded. For the morning, Milt and Gary swapped rides. Milt jumped in the Ferrari while Gary mounted the Blackbird. Evidently, ambidextrous speed is a family thing. I mounted my high-mileage 1998 Honda VFR as my cousin Dave, white girl Wenspeen, started his Yamaha FJR and his son Garrick warmed up his Yamaha R1. With the Honda Blackbird idling nearby and Milt blipping the throttle in the Ferrari, I mentally apologized to Mott's. I was about to violate our earlier agreement. The Appleton Road begins at the Columbia River, just outside of Morning Song Acres, and serves banked uphill hairpins in dizzying succession. Gary led on the Blackbird, followed by Garrick on his R1, White Girl on the FJR, Milt in his Ferrari, and me on, the FV, on my VFR. Though I love to abuse Appleton Road, I refused to pass the Ferrari so I could watch it from behind and also because, well, wasn't sure I could pass it if I wanted to. Things you notice while racing with a Ferrari, it's not so much a, a car as a floating apparition. Low and purposeful, its flowing lines make other cars look like design mistakes. The Ferrari doesn't so much drive on pavement as it seems to hover like an inch over it, powering through corners with ridiculous drive exit, then disappearing into the woods like a phantom. Its body never rolls, the suspension never moves, the car never gets upset or out of shape, powering forward through the air like a 562 horsepower hallucination while its ghostly skirt kicks up mid-corner dust just to prove to you that it is indeed real and not a figment of your imagination. 
more midnight ghost than car. It defies the law of physics. There's no way it should be able to do what you just saw it do. Did it just take that corner at that speed with gravel in mid-apex and a 79-year-old Albert Einstein look-alike at the steering wheel? This is otherworldly. Appleton Road ends at Glenwood, so we turn south to BZ Corner. And yes, that's the actual t- the name's actual name of the town, actually. BZ Corner. I took the lead because I've burned this road for many years and know exactly where I'll be dragging fingers, so to speak. Somewhere behind me, the midnight ghost prowled. BZ Corner Road is entertaining in that it changes quickly. One section is wide, never-ending fourth-gear sweepers through farmland, while the next is second-gear corners through towering forests. On my favorite long left-hand sweeper by the Red Barn, I picked up the pace from quick to questionable. The curve had endless sight lines and perfect grip, so I gradually added throttle pressure while taking away lean angle, but the aged and sublime V4 hit its happy place. I needed to push the pace because somewhere behind me, I know that Ferrari was just yawning at me. After BZ Corner, we crossed the state line south to the Dalles, Oregon for afternoon coffee, and no matter where we went, we made a scene. I think it's partly because sport bikes are a dying species. General public is used to either giant scudding herds of popping cruisers or pairs of adventure bikes with rectangular aluminum panniers and camping gear bungee corded everywhere. When a mix of eight fast bikes pull into a coffee shop with a Ferrari chase vehicle, cell phones emerge from everywhere. After coffee, Milt and Gary switched rides. Milt on his chromed Blackbird and Gary piloting his Ferrari 458 Italia. Gary quickly earned my endorsement because he showed he knew what tunnels were for. Approaching a pair of tunnels on our way to Clickitat, Gary slowed the Ferrari to about 40 miles an hour and grabbed first gear. I was directly behind him and I followed suit. We both knew what was coming. You see, tunnels are acoustical playgrounds. As soon as we entered the tunnel, we pinned the throttle. My VFR and its howling V4 is gorgeous, but nothing like what came out of the tailpipes of that Ferrari. Under wide open throttle, the tenor roar of the Ferrari's 4.5 liter V8 approached redline. As it echoed off the tunnel's walls, it sounded like Luciano Pavarotti getting stabbed. Even with earplugs, it gave me goosebumps. Turning north, the road hugging the meandering Klickitat River is a gem of Northwest stereotypes. Fast moving clean water, fresh air, aged pines, towering canyon walls, and a road that flows through them all. Gary led with the Ferrari, followed by Garrick on his R1 with me behind, and for once on this epic goodbye ride for morning song's sake, sanity did set in. I let him go. I ignored the red mist and let them vanish on their asphalt playground while I held back because something special was coming up. Something too special to ruin. Something I had been working on for years, and I timed it perfectly. As the group pulled into a, a lookout over the Clickitat Canyon Gorge, I rode by and went exactly three miles. Then I turned around and rode back to the lookout. As I approached the rear bumper of the Ferrari, my odometer on the VFR hit exactly 100,000 miles. 
It was all too perfect. The rolling goodbye salute to Morning Song Acres, the view, the mileage, the bikes, the Ferrari, and my friends. We stared out over the canyon, and in my head I reminisced about what the VFR and I had done over the years, where we had gone, and who we had done it with. There have been good days, bad days, track days, snowstorms and heat waves, dawn patrols on the mountain and late night sprints, more gravel miles than I want to admit, some speeds I'll never admit to, and some maintenance I've neglected. But through it all, my 1998 VFR 800 has always brought me home. After crossing so much of the country that it hit 100,000 miles on a tour from Morning Song Acres can only be explained as divine intervention. The next morning, we all went our separate ways, one by one, saying goodbye to Morning Song Acres and to each other. My cousin Dave, his son Garrick, and I were the last ones out. We closed and locked the door behind us with a sad final click. How appropriate that the last ones to leave Morning Song Acres were family. On the ride home, I throttled back, rode slower, admired the scenery. I still had another 100,000 miles I wanted to put on the old VFR. This bike and I, we are far from finished. Meandering home, I had hours to remember the poem that hung on the wall at Morning Song Acres. It was the last thing I saw as I locked the door behind me. And it goes like this. Morning Song. Let your heart sing the morning song, humming in harmony with the metal arc, announcing the beauty of sunrise. Behold the breath of life all around you, creatures of the earth awakening to the power of the Creator. Serenity is carried on the wings of the eagle to circle and lift your spirit. Let your heart sing the morning song, the dew of the dawn declares a new day by Howard T. Rainier, Taos Pueblo Creek Indian. Ted Edwards. Ted, I want to thank you for sharing this story. And after having spent eight or nine days out there with you and the guys back in June, hearing the news that Morning Song Acres was, was closing and being sold, and then you guys got to go last one last time, I wish I was with you. I wish I could have joined you. What a great tribute to a great place and a great part of the country and two great people, Myron and Audrey. I've met them once, stayed there a couple of days with you guys, but um, hearing Myron pray and, uh, and the relationship that they have with their guests changed my life forever. Wonderful people, and I'll miss seeing them. Well, we appreciate that, Ted. Great story. Hope you'll go to the website and read it. Roaddirt.tv. Look for Farewell to Morning Song. A lot of pictures that Ted's put in there. And um, I think you'll enjoy it as much as we do. And uh, live it vicariously through his words and through his photos. I want to thank Law Tigers again for sponsoring this episode of Road Dirt, the podcast. Lawtigers.com. And of course, check us out on the web. We're on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Road Dirt TV. We got a YouTube channel, Road Dirt TV, and we're always populating that with some new video content there, most recently with an evaluation of a Harley Davidson Sport Glide and a Royal Enfield Himalayan recently. And check out our uh, Spotify channel. We have a Road Dirt Classics 
Spotify channel, almost 20 hours worth of music um, for listening to On the Road. Again, I'm Rob Brooks. Until next time, ride life.